It's show 97 of the Rim Pro Report. This week, Vance Goss and the latest industry news. This show is sponsored by all my friends at O'Neill Software. They've got technical support and customer service support that you can count on. This includes coverage around the world, including the Americas, Europe, Middle East, Africa, as well as the entire Asia-Pacific region. You know, they're great people. Great software, wonderful support for your rim business. And if you want to learn more about them and have that kind of stuff for you in your business, you can check them out yourself at O'Neillsoft.com. As my great friend Harry Callahan says, you've got to ask yourself one question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you? Welcome to the Rim, Rim, Rim Pro Reports. The one and only weekly broadcast for the rim support services industry. Bustling with news, views, here's what I believe, and the latest updates. That's just them. The show is full of interesting information. Stories. Yes. Important product and service reviews. Yes. And a cast of industry characters included. Yes. <laughs> Record center operators, shred and destruction vendors, media and electronic vaulters, scanners and imaging providers. Take note, this show is for you. Now, here's your host, Tom Adams. Yep, it's me, and yes, I feel lucky. Hello, everybody. It's show 97. That's right, show 97 of the Rim Pro Report. I'm extremely glad you're here. I'm glad that you keep coming back to hear the stories and perspectives of your industry colleagues, how they built their businesses, things they've learned along the way, and a whole lot more. And for the record, even with 97 such interviews and shows under our belt, the well, the deep well on interesting industry people and coolness is not even close to dry. There is so many more cool things to talk about. And as the industry continues to change and evolve and grow, there's so much more to talk about and so 97 we're just beginning but you know when you're 97 you tend to be reaching a landmark in your life and we are see three weeks from today we're going to celebrate show 100 yes show 100 and to mark this auspicious occasion we're planning to have a number of people drop by the show we're going to do some pretty cool stuff on that show so mark your calendar for thursday august 2nd to tune in because you could also win some prizes I'll keep you posted in the next couple of weeks as to the details as they become more evident. If you're not subscribed to the show email, then it's probably a good time to do that because we'll keep you posted on all the cool stuff going to happen on show 100. Today, I'm extremely excited to talk to Vance Goss. Vance is the former owner of Brazos Record Storage in College Station, Texas. Vance sold his business early this year to Cornerstone. After the sale, I called Vance and asked him to share his process, the, the story of the sale of the business. What's it like to make the decision to sell your business? What happened? How did it all transpire? What was involved? And at the time, Vance was not quite ready to talk about it, but... Now he is. So we're going to do that today. I expect we might even go a little longer than normal today. I have a ton of questions to ask Vance. So that's pretty exciting. But before we get Vance on the line, let's get you caught up on the latest industry news. 
There's another acquisition to tell you about. DeVries Business Services in Spokane, Washington, just purchased Green Shred, a mobile destruction company in Pasco, Washington. Funny, because on the show last week, if you didn't hear it, Patrick actually hinted at an acquisition, and it looks like it's officially happened. This adds more than 100 new clients to the DeVries business, and it's another whole shred truck to the operation, so congratulations, Patrick and the team at DeVries on the purchase. Hey, congratulations are also in order to Lloyd, Lucian, Nick Williams, and the entire team at Shredall SDS in the UK. Uh, this week, they won the Nottinghamshire Small Business of the Year Award. Very cool stuff. And if you haven't heard the show with Lloyd that we had a couple of months ago, be sure to check that one out. I'm not sure if you've seen this, but Nate has this cool new program called the Secure Data Zone Customer Recognition Program. This program provides a way to formally and visually recognize and reward your customers that exhibit great data protection process or practice. The program comes with formal certificates that you can give to clients, counter stands, and window stickers for their office. Bob Johnson suggested that customers love being recognized in a way that promotes their good behavior. And a customer recognition program consistently branded around the world will have significantly more value to the client than a program developed by any one individual service provider. Wow, that is really cool. Bob talked about this at one of the webinars they held last month, and, and I think this is wonderful stuff. I really encourage you, if you're a part of NAID, to embrace this program and make use of it. You know, last week, Alaska's Medicaid program agreed to pay a $1.7 million penalty and then comply with a corrective action plan to settle what the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services described as a possible violation of HIPAA that came to light following the theft of a portable hard drive from a car owned by an agency employee. This is the actual first HIPAA enforcement action brought against a state agency. The moral of the story? Poor data protection plan on the part of the Alaska Medicaid program. Obviously, that's number one. But I think the moral of the story for you is there's some pretty substantial teeth now behind privacy and data protection stuff. And I think it should be inherently a part of your marketing if you provide ongoing data protection services. So use this story to your advantage. Well, that's it for the news that I'm aware of. If you have news that you want to share on the show, let me know. I am now going to get on the old phone and see if we can get Vance Goss on the line. So hang on a moment while I get him. Vance Goss is a passionate golfer, a traveler, and is currently deciding on the next phase of his professional life. More importantly, he's the former owner of Brazos Record Storage of College Station, Texas, which he sold to Cornerstone Records Management in February of this year. Today, we're going to talk about all of it. Vance, are you on the line? I'm here. Hey, great to have you on the RimPro Report. I'm glad you're here. I know you have exited the industry but you and I have chatted about doing this show for a while in terms of talking about what that whole exit meant. But before we dig into that too far, let's go way, way, way back, however far you want to go, and tell me how you got into the records business in the first place. Well, sure. I, I just want to say, Tom, thanks so much for having me on here. It's a real honor. I love the shows. Oh, thank but, you. Um, yeah, and the guests are great. Yeah, they are. I, I love the guests you, on the show. I mean, you have you have great. It's just wonderful. Anyway, well, you're uh, one of them, so uh, you're, I got, uh, you're, you're a noble well, you know, calling. You, you lose 
you, you miss out every once in a while, but <laughs> you, you, you take what you can get, don't you? <laughs> All right. So okay. how'd you get into this game? I was, I had always worked for other people, sales and management and stuff. And I was looking for something I could do myself. And I was asking everybody I ran into, what do you do? What do you do? Why do you do it? You know, I was 37 years old looking, you know, to get out. I was still single. Didn't meet my beautiful wife until I late till I actually got in this industry. And so I was put loose and fancy free. I had a good job, but I said, I want to do something on my own. And I, I got to talking to this guy who I'd known for a number of years and had played golf with some, but I never knew what he did. He started telling me what he did. And I thought, you got to be kidding me. You can make a living doing that. I mean, that's right up my alley. I'm, I'm very organized. I'm very detailed. You know, it can't get any better. So I called my brother, who was an attorney yeah. in College Station, yeah. and I said, what do you do with your records? He goes, oh, you know, we got this. I said, come, come look at this deal. You, you, gotta, you don't even believe it. This is in 94. So he came down. He goes, yeah, you know, we don't have anything like that. So I, I had my first customer in you know, my brother's law firm. And I just said, I, I'm going, I'm going to do it. Really? Uh, so where were you, were you in College Station at the time? Or I was not. I oh. was actually, uh, I grew up in San Angelo out in West Texas. And that's where I was. My mom still lives there and it's 300 miles from here. But, but I did have family here. My mother grew up in this area. And so I had aunts and uncles and, and my brother was here practicing law. So, you know, I had a little bit of family here. So who was the guy you were talking to on the golf course? He was a, just well, a friend of yours who had a record storage company? He, he was an independent record storage company in San Angelo that he had had for 10 years back then. Wow. Uh, I, you know, I didn't even know anything about it, and he he just started telling me about it. And so you know, I, I, I stole some of his stuff and started off on my own and started looking, trying to figure out how to do things. So your brother becomes your first client. He's a law first firm. First client, yeah, 800 boxes. Wow. And then yeah. then what did you do? What What happened at that point? Well, you know, then you got to figure out how to start getting it. So you start calling people. Okay. Uh, you, I, I started asking my brother, who should I call? Right. I, I didn't know anybody here. Yeah. But, you know, you, you you figure it out pretty quick who the customers are, who your target market is. And I was obviously, you know, looking at with this. I'm a, in a small market, mm-hmm. you know, with probably 250,000 people in this market. Yeah. And uh, that includes Texas A&M University, which is, 50,000 students, which is not included in that in that number, but oh, okay. I, I started looking at who's going to generate paper, right? And that, and you know, and that's where I went. That's when I went. And started calling on people. I was doing it by myself, only guy, and uh, I'd go out and make the calls. And if I got anything, I'd go pick it up. If I got any, you know, a request for something, I'd deliver it. Yeah, whatever it needed to be. And so that's you know, just started off really. So you were like hand to mouth right at the beginning. Oh man, I know it. It took me four years before I ever had a positive month. Really? Yeah, and I, you know, I'm a small market. I didn't realize. I didn't do my research. You know, right? I thought this is a great idea. I can do it, and uh, it just goes to show you that sometimes ignorance is bliss. <laughs> yeah. You know, you 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 just know that you can do this. You know, if you just stay after it. You're going to make it work. You can see it. How you can see how it's going to come out. I just didn't realize how long it was going to take me. Right. You know, uh, to get there. So what happened in the fourth year? Was it just enough small accounts you had built, or yeah. was there sort of a big one that turned you over the corner, or sort of pushed you over the hump into profitability? No, it was just you know I, I didn't have any big clients 
you know, some of them were starting to get bigger. Right. I never landed just a whale. Yeah. I never did in 17 years in this industry. But I got some whales by getting in and getting one department. Oh, okay. And then later on, I got another department and another department and another department. And all of a sudden, they're a really big customer. Right. You know, for, right. for a smaller market kind of thing. Now, I'm, you know, I didn't have any of the 30,000, 40,000 box customers. But when you're a small guy, I'm under the firm impression that you don't need those guys. Right. That yeah. they're, they're more hassle than worth. You can't make the money off of them that you really need to make off your customers. Yeah. And, uh, and you can't service them with, with the way you can service your smaller customers. Right. As you look back, you know, you talked about the first four years being real struggle and then you, you kind of get to a place of profitability. What were some of the major turning points along the way, like major successes or new business lines you offered or what what kind of came along that you went, okay, I, I can see some future in this now. It's been a struggle, but now things are happening. You know, early on when I didn't know anything about shredding, I didn't even offer it. And I had some boxes come due for destruction. <laughs> and so, I, you know, I contact my customer and says, you have these boxes due for destruction. What would you like to do? And they said, we'd like you to take care of it. <laughs> and I went, huh, okay. <laughs> uh, so I started it. looking, try, trying to figure out how to take care of it. Right. And that's kind of what I did. My whole thing was whatever the customer wanted, if, if I thought it was reasonable and I thought I could make money off of it in the long run, yeah, then I would do it. Right. And so I, I contracted and started contracting out shred, and then I learned some from those guys. And, uh, you know, hey, why don't you get some containers and place them? And I go, what are you talking about? Said, no, no, you know, it's a good deal. And and, uh, and then, you know, and they'll service me. It, it was a company out of Houston, Texas Shredding. Dave Culverson, a lot of people know him. They were my they were my contractor for years until Dave sold out. Right, and we had a great relationship. They had a few clients in this market, but mostly they left it to me because I, they could come and pick up all the stuff from one place. Right, right. You know, and so it worked out good for both of us, and that was good. And, and my what turned out to be my biggest customer when I sold was a customer who I got because I would go pick up some stuff doctor's office that was closed that they needed destroyed, and they couldn't find anybody else to do it. It was a small amount. Mm-hmm. And then and I, I made this contact, and then a, a few months later, I get a call from another person. At, uh, it was at a hospital, and, and uh, they said, so-and-so said to call you. <laughs> I said, okay, what are we going to do? He said, well, I need some shred done. Okay, what do you need? He said, I don't know. Just I just need to do it. <laughs> okay. And, and, and that customer... Ended up, I ended up having more boxes than any other customer and more shred than any other customer I did when I sold. Wow. That customer. Just kind of that kind of start. And, yeah. Uh, it, it, uh, it reminded me, it, you look back and you think of things, it reminded me of a lot of people remember some want Terry Murphy out of Seattle. He was a mentor to me when I first got started. And he told me, he said, never give up on customers. He said, because... He said, I worked for a number of years to get a customer, and I never could get it. I finally got one department, and when I sold, they were my biggest customer. Hmm. He said, it just, you know, once you get in, it doesn't matter. You, it, you'll never get in the way you think you're going to. Right. You get in the way you, you have to. Or you can. 
or you can. Yeah. And then, because you provide good service and, and a good quality product, you're going to just grow in, in that company. Yeah. And it, it worked for me a number of times. Oh, that's cool. Looking back, what were some of the big struggles, though, through those early years? What what were the some of the things that you just felt like you hit walls on and didn't know how to get over? Recognizing that there was people and mentors and stuff, but there there was probably still those things that no matter what you try, you feel like you hit a wall all the time on. And you, you, you'll remember, and a lot of people remember, in 1995, it was it was mostly. I mean, people were doing it themselves. Yeah. Only the big companies were really outsourcing this stuff right and the education in this small market i had to go in and you know just i had to be the educator right for every one of my customers i had to teach them why they needed me right and and you know sometimes you go boy it's nice not having a lot of competition but sometimes the competition educates them for you too yeah and sometimes i was wishing man i wish i had some help around this education <laughs> part of it you know right uh, uh, because I think I can beat them on the service if I can just get them to convince them they need to, you know, go out for RFP or whatever. Right. Uh, so that was the hardest thing for me. It was really the slowest thing. Smaller market, you know, people just weren't quite in tune with it and didn't realize the, the necessities. And, mm. and, you know, honestly, we didn't have the laws that we have now. Right. And now people, you know, it's top of the mind, it's top of the list now. And back then, it was just the bottom of the list. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I've I've heard people talk about the the, sort of the evolution of this when when they got more involved in records management, the the function within a company moved from sort of the basement to the CEO office or from, you know, from an administrative assistant more into an owner uh, perspective because of the the compliance issues that have really evolved. Yeah, it just really lifted the whole... You know, people just were just whining and moaning about, you know, HIPAA and all this stuff when it came out. And, and they would just look at me and go, don't you just hate this? Don't you just hate this? And I'm I'm going, eh, no, not really. <laughs> you know, there's this gold, the best thing for my business in years. <laughs> there's gold in them there, Hills. There's That's gold. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So, it, yeah. you know, it's all in, all in your perspective. Yeah. So at some point, though, because I really today I wanted to talk to you about what happened to get you into the mode of selling the business. So when did you actually start considering the possibility of selling your business? What was the thought process or what was the event or what was the opportunity that hit you that sort of led you to even consider doing this? I'll tell you, about four or five years ago, I can't remember exactly, I was really at a frustrating point. I was I was growing, but I wasn't growing like I thought I was, and and I, you know, I just wasn't sure. If, I wasn't having as much fun anymore, right? Uh, you know, and I thought, you know what, I'm I'm going to look at you know selling, yeah. see what the deal is. I don't know if I can or I can't. So I called a friend of mine who I'd known for 15 years, Sean Slade, who a lot of people know, Waterfront yep. Capital, Sean and Chris. Yeah. I called I called Sean and I said, listen, I'm you know I'm, I'm considering it. What do we do? He says, yeah, no problem. He goes, well, we'll take a look at it. So, you know, he sends me this laundry list that was just so overwhelming to me. I, I just wasn't even <laughs> sure I could finish it. Yeah. And he said, don't worry about it. We'll work through Get what you can, and I'll tell you. Some of the stuff's more important than, you know, the, all, the, all the sales stuff. And I'm thinking, oh, God, what did I open a can of worms here? Right. But 
you know, we worked through it and everything, and they, they finally got all the information. He and Chris sat down, did their stuff, and they and Sean called me and said, Chris and I want to talk to you. I want you to be where you can talk to us for an hour or two about some stuff. Okay. So I, I, I set up a time, and I came home one day, and uh, they get me on the phone, and they said, bottom line is it's a bad time for you. Hmm. And I said, well, you're not, you're not trying very hard to sell me on this deal, are you? <laughs> and they go, no, we're not, because we're your friends. And we've known you a long time, and this is just the way we operate. We want the best outcome for you, and we don't think the market right now is the best outcome for a, for a, a second-tier market that you're in. People are just not paying what needs to be paid for your business. Right. And on top of that, here's what we think. We think if you will concentrate on these items, gave me a list of three or four things to do, that when the time comes, and it'll come, that you'll be prepared. Hmm. And I said, okay. So now they did say, hey, if you want to sell, we'll put you out there and we'll sell you, but we're going to advise you against it. Wow, that's impressive. And so, you know, it, it, it really opened my eyes. It, and it opened my eyes to some of the things that I needed to take care of that I might have not been taking care of as well. Some contract coverage, maybe tighten up my contracts because of new laws and things. Right. Some of those things that, that just make the selling process easier when it comes down to it because it's a lot cleaner process. Right. Gave me a few hints like that and some few things and some specifics, and, and that's kind of what I did for the next few years. I said, okay, it's a bad time, and, and that's what I wanted to know going into it. Is it a good time? Is it a bad time? What can I expect? Yeah. And so, you know, they said, this is not the time you need to sell. If you had to sell, we'd sell it, but let's, let's try these things. We think you'll get a better outcome. So from that point, then, you obviously start acting differently because they've said, do this, do this, do this, do this. And obviously, that becomes a priority for you. But do you, f- you feel like at that point in time, you started acting differently about the business? No, not really. I, I had been in a business when I was young and that I had a, a small ownership in. Yeah. And the, the powers that be tell me that we are selling the business and you're going to make some money off this deal, Vance. And, uh, you know, it's not a whole lot, but heck, when you're 25, it's anything yeah. is a lot. So I had already spent that money, not literally, but I had already spent that money about five times over, <laughs> all the things I was going to do with it. Right. You know? And and then the day it was supposed to close, they, they we get a call and say, hey, the deal's off. You just keep working. Oh. And I told, I told myself at that time I was never going to let myself get, you know, get ahead of myself. Okay. I was, I was never going to go there again where I'd already checked out, and I'm not going to, you know, it was a very hard thing for me to get back into that business. Right. And, and it did, I didn't last very long right. before I got out. It was just one of those deals. So I didn't want to be in that position anymore. So really, I said, okay, I don't know how long this is going to last, how long this is going to take for me to do these things and for the market to come where, where you know, where it needs to be for me to be. You know, at that time... There wasn't all that much activity in the, in the second-tier markets. Right, okay. Uh, and so I didn't know, you know, is it going to be, you know, one year, four years, ten years? 
So I really just kind so you of just went, you, you went back with the recommendations that Chris and Sean had given you and you went, yep. okay, I got to, I got to run my business, but I've also got to get these things in order. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So, so that, that progresses. Cause I know during that time you got involved in the prism board. I mean, you, I you, you just went back to running your business, but I, I doing it with work, some, you know, I yeah, just had purpose. a better outlook and you know, they gave me some good information yeah. and some stuff that really, you know, I, that's one of the hard things about being a small market. I think sometime is we're kind of out here yeah, and we don't really get the ins and outs of all the big city stuff and how things are going along. Well, I don't have an armor chapter here. Right. Uh, I tried to join armor one time. I had to go to Houston for the meetings, you know, an hour and a half away. Yeah. And, and they didn't even care about this market. And, you know, it's just, so it's, it's one of those things. The nice thing is about it is you see things as they progress and other people don't see it. You can't see the forest for the trees kind right. of thing. Right. And we're sitting, we're kind of sitting back so we can see things. Yeah. Coming. Well, I, I, yeah, I think it's interesting, too, that during that time, you've been given these recommendations, you've decided it could be four years, it could be 10 years, I don't know, but I'm running, but you're you're now sitting on the board of directors with companies that are buying and selling other companies, and you're seeing a different spin on it from your unique perspective, which I think must have been really valuable to you. It, it was. I, I can tell you that being on the board was one of the best things I've ever done, hmm. uh, and I was very fortunate to be on the board, and a lot of people at Prism right now are probably a little bit iffy about the board because of this big transition and everything. Yeah. But I can tell you that the people on the board at Prism, and, and not just right now, but the ones I served with before, are some of the sharpest people I've ever been around. Hmm. And they have the best hearts and the best minds, and they're always trying to figure out what's best. I don't know how many times I've been in board meetings, and things have come up, and people have said listen, that's not what's best for our company, but we know that's what's best for PRISM hmm. as an organization, and so I'm going to support it. Yeah. And I will go back and I will fade the heat at my company for supporting this because I know for the for PRISM and for the, the records management industry, it's the best decision. Right, right. I mean, that's the kind of people that, are, that, that we have on the board, and, and it's just, it's really... I mean, I was, when I first got on the board, I thought, good gravy, I, I don't belong here, man. <laughs> these guys are sharp. You know, these guys are smart. They'd ask questions, you know, within 10 seconds that I would think of the next day. Right. You right. know, kind of thing. But 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 we, we have a really, really, really good board. But there's something in that, in that environment that ups your own game. Yes, it does. You know, when, when people around you are asking questions in 10 minutes that normally took you a day, it, it doesn't take you long for you to be asking them in 15. Yeah, you start figuring it out. You start thinking different. Yeah. And you start looking at things different. Yeah. And uh, and so it, it really, you know, it, I, I was blessed to, to have that opportunity. I can tell you that. So when did... I miss it. Yeah, I, I, I bet you do. So when did, in this whole process, when did the switch happen when you went, okay, I'm there? Did somebody come back to you, or how did the process unfold to get to where you are today to, to really you know, start that, that in motion? Yeah, you know, it's funny. In January of 2011, I told my wife, I said, I could see it from being on the prison board, from being around for, you know, 15, 17 years, I could see the stars starting to line up for the second-tier markets. Hmm. 
and the way the venture money was in the industry, in the space, and the way that was going. And I told my wife, if I don't sell my business in the next two or three years, we'll have it till I retire. Wow. You know, till I die, maybe. Yeah. Whatever. Not, Not that I was, went out soliciting, but I just said, now's the opportunity. If I don't get the opportunity in the next few years, then, and then at the, at the PRISM conference in uh, Miami, at Doral, yeah. I, I was approached by five or six different people. Okay. It's really weird. You know, I, I say that in January, and then in May, I get approached by five or six different people, said, hey, would you be interested in the cell? Now, you know, they weren't all real. You're right. Uh, but some of them were, and so, so at that time, I said, you know what, I I called Sean back, and I said, listen, I said, you know, been approached by some people, and what do you think? And he said, well, I think it's worth exploring. It's been a few years, and you never know. So here we go around the circle again. He sends me that same damn list that he sent me, you know, four or yeah. five years ago. Yeah. And I, I got to redo all those yeah. things because, you know, all stuff. So, you know, I go back to I go, oh, my God, here we go again. But at least I had a better idea what I was doing. What you're, yeah, what they were looking for and what they yeah. needed this time. Yeah. And so uh, we did that, and I just turned all communications over to Sean and Chris because I needed to run my business, mm-hmm. and I knew that I didn't need to get distracted because if I got distracted, everybody's distracted. Right, uh, right. And so I said, okay, here's the deal. I'm just going to talk to you guys, and you guys talk to these people, and I told the people, here's what we're going to do. So – Everybody's fine with that because that's kind of standard in the industry, right? And uh, and so we we go through that, and then we uh, we had a few people that wanted to come look, and so they did, and, and we you know did a little you know half day, a couple of people come in and kind of look around the facility and talk to me and talk to a couple of my people, and that was probably the hardest part because you have to explain what are these people doing, right? Right. And then they start worrying about their jobs and, and stuff. But that was part of part of my whole deal was I wanted to make sure that, you know, the employees got taken care of. Uh, they were still going to have a job. I owned my facility. And so I wanted to make sure that I was going to be able to rent that to them. Right. It, you know, because my business is not big enough for me to sell it and, and go off and retire. Right. I needed that rent to make it work work out right okay and so if they weren't interested in renting my property from me then it was just a non-starter okay uh, so there was other there was significant other factors involved sure. in, in the choice that was made yeah though i mean we had we had one potential acquirer that said you know what we'd like to just buy and pick it up and move it and i just said you know what i'm just not interested hmm. that that's just I, you can't pay me enough <laughs> for that deal for that deal yeah and, and, I mean, you know, realistically, they, they just, the numbers weren't there for me to get enough money to make it work for me. Right. So it, uh, it had to involve that connection to the real estate. The real estate, right. Yeah, okay. and, and I'll just tell you right now that I think that the smartest thing I ever did was buy my own real estate. Back that's, in the day. Back in the day. Yeah. Yeah, that's, it's, uh, it was just, for, in a small market like I'm in, Yeah. It, it, you know, I was just paying myself rent, paying off, really wasn't even paying myself around just paying off the note right you know and uh but i have something at the end of the day where i i wouldn't have if i was just renting yeah yeah 
No, and it, it changed so, it changed the rules for you then. Sure. It, it changed yeah. the way you you had the opportunity to sell the business. You bet. Huh. You bet. So, what were some of the mo- the emotional implications in this? Because I think sometimes when you birth this thing and you you know the first five years hand to mouth and you barely get by and you know you just keep struggling and then you get to a certain size, but you look at some of the people say at the table at Prism who in a year produce as many boxes as you have in yep. your twenty years, and and at that point of going, am I giving this away? It must bring up a whole lot of internal stuff that is scary at some points. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the first thing I, when I told my wife that I was going to pursue this, she says, well, what are you going to do? I go, what do you mean? She goes, well, when you, if you sell, what are you going to do? I said, I don't have any idea. <laughs> yeah. But I'm not going to even look just because, just like the story I told you, I'm yeah. not going there right. until after it's done. Right. Uh, and then if it gets done, then I'll, then I'll think about it. But, but I'm just not going there. The emotions going through were, for me, it was a business transaction. And yes, I miss my customers. Some of these customers, you know, a lot of them that I've had for 15 plus years, I got myself. They're my friends. Right, right. You know, so I miss that and I, and I miss interacting with them and everything. But I, I didn't get in the business to make friends. Right. I got in the business as a business venture, and so I just looked at it. This is a business venture, a business decision I'm going to make, and if it's the right business decision, then I'm going to make it, and if it's the wrong business decision, then I'm not going to, you know, I'm mm-hmm. not going to make it, and and we'll go from there. Yeah. So I really worked hard on on not getting emotionally attached. I want it to be the right business decision. Hmm. Now I will tell you. As we go through the process of a letter of intent and due diligence and questions and answers and back and forth and, and problems arise and everything, yeah. It, now that's when the emotions come in. Right. You know, I'm my wife and I went through a few years of trying to have children that we never were able to. But at one point, we went to a specialist and they put her on all kinds of hormones and. When she left in the morning and when she got back from work in the afternoon, I never knew what it was going to be, you know, mm. because depending on the hormones she was taking those yeah. days, yeah. Uh, and that's kind of how I felt <laughs> during that time. I mean, yeah, I, I would come home and my wife would look at me and go, uh, anything happened today? And I go, I, I just got to have a glass of wine. Right. You know, I got, yeah, I, 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 I don't, I don't want to talk right now, you know, yeah. or, or I, everything would be fine. You know, yeah. it's just those things, those highs and lows, really the swings were big. Hmm. And for somebody that was trying not to be emotional about it, it, it gets down to what are you going to do with the rest of your life? And, and those things start, those swigs start getting bigger and bigger. Yeah. And, and then you don't hear anything for a week and you go, oh, and then, oh, yeah. then the old thing's back, and then it's not, and then it is, and you know, it was it was a real uh, trying time. Yeah, I I bet yeah. just just the because you know you're you're probably in the back of your head also thinking, well, you know, I'm I'm really not the right picking that everybody wants. I'm in a second tier market; it's peripheral to them. They could be buying. major market uh, opportunities and I'm just hanging here. So that's got to always hang in your mind too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. All that stuff is 
are they really going to, when they look at it, are they really going to see the value in the business like I see the value in the business? Right. Are they going to be able to see what I see in the business? And, you know, luckily I got good advice all along and, and, and did the right things, you know. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, just I, I just had, there was no smoke and mirrors. It was just, it is what it is. Yeah. So what, looking back through this process, if, if you could sort of point out a number of big lessons you learned, and maybe those lessons were something that you could share with other people, what, what are the biggest lessons? I know there's multiples, but if you could point out the biggest lessons you learned from this whole process, what would they be? First off, for the whole, my whole time in the records management industry, and is that Good customer service pays dividends in spades. Hmm. It, it it's just unbelievable. Yeah. I don't know how many times we had customers uh, had somebody work at a customer, and we would always we pride ourselves on good customer service. We always did, and they would leave and go somewhere else, and they would call me and say, "Vance, help! This hmm. place is a wreck. Hmm. We need your help." I mean, and boom, it's an automatic end. And yeah. it's because I gave them good customer service. They, I got so much business referred because I gave good customer service. Yeah. And, and the other thing is the growth. There's, I, I never had a customer that was too small. When I first started, I didn't even have minimums. If they had three boxes, <laughs> Take well, I just charge them. Yeah, I yeah. just took them. You yeah. know, it, and, some, and some of my best customers were customers, like I said before, that started off as, three boxes and they end up being a really good box customer plus a shred customer, you know, or, or, they, or they just start off with one console and, and you look up a few years later and they got, you know, five, 600 boxes and, and three consoles yeah. servicing every week. And yeah. so you just, you never know who that customer, who that good customer is going to be. And they may not look like much now, but, but the, op, the, the odds are they're going to be with you for a long time. Yeah. The biggest thing I think through the sales process that I found that I, I really fell into it because I was disenchanted four or five years ago, and so I kind of looked and, and got this really good advice, but if I had not had that, I would not have been prepared for when the time came. Right. So I, I have, and, and I've, told, I've told a number of people since this happened, listen, I don't care if you don't think you're going to sell this year or next year or five years or 10 years. You need to get in touch with, with somebody that, that knows the process, that understands the process, and you need to get a relationship, and y'all need to know because you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. And if you already have that built in, then if something happens to you as an individual, your wife or your family or, or your company can carry on with these people helping yeah. or, you know, help the transit transaction when it comes about. Yeah. But, you know, it was such a valuable lesson to me four or five years ago to have things in order when the time was right. Yeah. So th those, those sort of big things were getting your contracts in order, getting your insurance coverage, those kind of things you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, th th some of those things, you know, the, the contract coverage and the tightening up the contract contracts, you know, people that have had their contracts for a few years, they're probably not that good anymore. Right. You know, yeah. they probably need to adjust some things because there's a lot of laws that have changed. Hmm. 
your insurance coverage, I mean, I can assure you that if you're not on top of that right now, yeah. you know, I yeah. mean, there, I mean, these new, uh, all these agreements, these hospitals and doctors are getting people signed, you know, they're trying to transfer as much liability as possible to you. You got to be really on top of that. Yeah. And you know, those kind of things. And then just, just the relationship with your customers. To my knowledge, and I, I still talk to the guys up at work some, we haven't had any customers. None, none of them said, well, Vance is gone, and he's my friend, so I'm I'm gone. Hmm. They said, you know what? Vance is my friend, but Vance hadn't been coming out to see me lately. Vance has been sitting in the office, or Vance has been taking care of the insurance, or, you know, right. He's, right. he's doing all the back office stuff right. that he used to not do. Uh, or he used to do at night, but you know, so I don't see Vance anymore, and I see these guys that come out, and they're the same guys. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's all I care about because I know I'm taken care of. Yeah, I know they're taking care of me. Yeah, that makes a big difference. Yeah. So it's it's been quite a year for you. It has. <laughs> it has. So looking back, would you have done anything differently? You know, I I I, I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think so. I you know what the the opportunity, like I said earlier, it was a business decision. The opportunity came, and I believe that it. W- I still believe firmly, as much as I miss industry and I miss my friends, and although I still talk to a number of people, mm-hmm. uh, but I still believe I made the right decision. Yeah. For for me, for my company, for my market, it was the right decision. Yeah. Well, I, I have to ask the question that your wife has asked you. What now? What's next? Where are you going? What are you doing Be, besides professional golf? I told I told my wife after we closed, and she said, okay, now what next? I said, <laughs> I'm going to take the summer off. I'm, I'm not going to – I told you I was going to think about it after I closed, but I changed my mind. <laughs> I now am going to wait till the end of the summer. Uh I had I had a few trips lined up that I was looking forward to. Yeah. And uh so next is I'm going to Scotland to play golf for two weeks next month in July. So I'm I'm really fired up about that. It's been a long time coming uh, and uh I'm I'm getting pretty pretty excited about that right now. Oh cool. That's what I love to do. I love to play golf, I love to travel and so it's just kinda of mixing the two yeah. together. Got a great group of guys I'm going with, and and so you're going to get back from your summer, and then you're going to decide. Then I'll then I'll see what's cool. out there. Cool. I, you know, I, I talk, I've been talking to people around town, and and said, hey, you know, if you hear anything that sounds interesting, let me know. Nobody's called me and said you got to do this, you got to do that. But but there'll be things come up. I know. Do you have any other brothers? I, I do. I have a, I have a brother that lives in Kansas City. Oh, okay, so nobody else in 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 nobody College in Station that that you're no. going to take their first 800 boxes. No, oh, no. that's funny. Yeah, no, only one. So wow, uh, yeah, so wow. This, I'm, I'm really excited about the future. I, I think there's, yeah, I think the records management industry, the future is really bright. Mm-hmm. It, it's not, it's not that I thought I was getting out the time where the records management industry is going something south or something yeah I, I, it's just when you're in a second tier market and the rules are changing faster than you can keep up with it's time to look around yeah i, I actually told a number of my really good customers i said listen honestly 
in, in five years, you'll thank me for it because they're going to be able to offer you more services than I ever could have offered you. Right, right. And more opportunities. Yeah. And, and they're going to be able to do more things for you in this, in this space than I ever could have done. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, just look at it. Yeah, it, it's a great place. It's a great industry, and I, I really, I've been blessed by it. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I've got to, I've got to issue you a huge congratulations. I, I know you've been through a monstrous year, the, the, the getting to the sale, but the years leading up to that, and all, all of the, the effort and investment you've made in this industry as well. I know sometimes you, you feel like you were sort of small, but, you know, the, the role you played on the board, and uh, we as an industry are s- sad that you're not in it anymore. Although I'm grateful you showed up at the Prism Conference in <laughs> Vegas, but. Um, I, I, I hope you keep in touch with us because you've been such a huge part of it. I know for myself, you've been a, a, a longtime friend in the industry. And uh, I, uh, I wish you really wonderful success. I hope your summer of, of enjoyment uh, turns into a fall of finding yourself and finding where you're going to go. And I, I know you'll be incredibly successful wherever you go. So thank, thanks for sharing this story with us. We've never had this before. Nobody's ever been willing to share the whole evolution of their decision to sell. And I'm really grateful that you've chosen to share it with us today. So thank you. Thank you, Tom. I appreciate the opportunity, and uh, it's just a like I said, I've been blessed by this industry, and anything I can give back, I, I love too. All right, thanks for chatting with us. All right, thank you, Tom. Well, there you have it. That's a, a great conversation. I loved it. I absolutely love that conversation. Thank you to Vance for being on the show today. Uh, he shared so many cool things, and I know if you're not considering selling your business or you're thinking about it, some of the stuff that Vance talked about today, I I believe can be extremely helpful for you. So thank you for being on the show as well, for being here with us. If you have something cool to share with the industry, something cool that you've done, a unique perspective taken, or you just got a great story, I'd love to share it. I'd love to have you on the show. I'd love to interview you. Let me remind you that this show is sponsored by our good friends at O'Neill Software. Not sure you know how hard this company works to maintain their credentials with third-party companies. O'Neill just recently announced that they had received their renewed gold partner status with Microsoft and also with Motorola. And, you know, these are not just random certifications. These are rigorous standards and service levels that prove the commitment O'Neill has to quality and ultimately to your satisfaction with the products and services they deliver to you. And if you're interested, you can learn more about them and their their real incredible uh desire to be the best in class at o'neillsoft.com hey i hope you have a great week we'll catch up next week we are out of here thanks for joining us on the rim pro report with tom adams if you enjoyed the show please tell others our website is www.rimproreport.com where you can find show archives and a whole lot more this broadcast is produced and hosted by flourish press incorporated join us again soon